I love it when somebody goes from nothing to a hero because it's a good success story. On the other hand, in this country, people love seeing people fail. They take great pleasure. Oh, have you seen such and such? A, oh, his business didn't work. He had it all and now he's got nothing. And they take a, a they almost gloat in people's failure because they're, them, they're themselves didn't take that risk or um, have insecurities. And I think that's a big thing. And, you know, failure is seen as a, as a bad thing where it's not. Failure is only final if you stop. Where failure, if you don't stop and move on, is, is, is actually learning. This is David McMillan, business director of McLaw and host of the In the Deep with Dave podcast. I'm Sonia, the host of the Plan B podcast. Here we talk about instances where Plan A didn't work out, how to pivot to get on with Plan B, and what learning stay with us as part of the experience. I wanted to talk with Dave because of his fantastic story. After losing his five million pound business in 2018, he walked away with no job and over £350,000 in debt. Nowadays, he's the successful business owner of multiple small and medium-sized businesses in the UK. However, he admits that the scars he got from the first venture have been essential to his success now. We will talk about the necessity for us to make mistakes and learn from them, but also how we need to understand how success leaves cues behind. The role of today's social media on the mindset of entrepreneurs and how we need to reframe how we define success and mistakes. And his approach to business associates and learning to choose the right partner for your business. Welcome to the Plan B podcast. Uh, today I'm here with Dave. I'm super, super excited to have a conversation with him. We uh, met each other on Clubhouse the other day, the super exclusive new social media network. Um, and um, we were just having a quick chat and we realized that we were um, having a lot of um, interesting conversations. And so I wanted to invite him today onto the podcast to tell us a little bit more about his plan A and his plan B. So welcome so much. Hi, how are you? Thank you very much. Thanks for having me on. Hi, Sonia. You okay? Yeah, I'm doing really good. Thank you so much for spending your Friday afternoon with me um, and then and telling your story and having me. Yeah, no problem at all. No problem awesome. at all. <laughs> awesome. Um, so as you know, Plan B is basically, Plan B podcast is about um, times when Plan A didn't work out um, and about sort of failures and mistakes that we do every day and the experience that we learn from it. Um, can you tell me a little bit more what your general view on mistakes and failures is before we dive into your situation? Yeah, interesting. Um, I hear this a lot, and especially on Clubhouse, where people go, you don't need to go through the mistakes um, to learn. You can learn from other people's mistakes. And that is true to a sense of the degree where you can read books, you can listen to podcasts somewhere people have went wrong and you think you can pick up a tip and think, oh, yeah, that's good. Maybe as I was going down that route, navigate away. But the biggest learning curve is actually going through and making the mistake yourself. Once you've made that mistake, you know, you, you, you're very unlikely to make the same mistake again. You then put things in place. You're aggressively being scarred from it. You haven't been scarred by somebody else making the mistake other than when you've made the mistake. And because them scars are sometimes deeper than ever, you don't want to go back to that that space. So I think 
when you learn, you learn so much from making a mistake. And people say failures. It's not failures. It's a learning curve. And I always, I always class it as, when things didn't go right, what can I learn from it? The thing is, I'm big, I'm flipping at the other side at this minute in time, is I'm big, I'm reading a book right now where he talks about success leaves clues. So when I think I'm maybe plateauing or, or slightly dipping, I look at times of when I was at my most successful, what was I doing? How was I feeling? How was I acting? Was I acting any differently to now? Just like when we make a mistake, you look at what did we do this? How did we end up down this hole? How did we end up in this pit that we're in right now? And, and you analyze all the mistakes just like right now at this minute in time, I'm analyzing all my ex- successes to see if I can get back to that point or beyond that point by creating bigger successes, if you like. So that's my theory anyway. Why do you feel is there so much fear to make a mistake? Because I think nobody wants to make mistakes and it's almost a taboo when you when you talk with people about it. Where do you think that comes from? Um, being British, being British, people love seeing people fail. There's very high buzz off people who become successful. I have a certain attraction to studying successful people. I love programs, watching people win something. I love it when somebody goes from nothing to a hero because it's a good success story. On the other hand, in this country, people love seeing people fail. They take great pleasure. Oh, have you seen such and such? a? Oh, his business didn't work. He had it all and now he's got nothing. And they take a, a they almost gloat in people's failure because then them, they themselves didn't take that risk or um, have insecurities. And I think that's a big thing. And, you know, failure is seen as a, as a bad thing where it's not. Failure is only final if you stop. Where failure if you don't stop and move on is, is, is actually learning. We, we teach children to fail all the time. A bodybuilder will push his body to the point of failure because when he works his muscles to failure, that's when his muscles will grow. So, um, you know, the, the person who ran the, the, the minute mile and then all of a sudden people can now beat that because people have failed and people have pushed themselves and failed. And then somebody succeeded and got, you know, better at it. So it's like, It's just the stigma around it where, and it's mindset. If you think, right, I failed, that's it. That is your mind telling you to give up. Where if you think, right, I failed, now what next? That's where you build yourself up bigger, better before. And I think you are bigger and better before. You are learning things that you didn't know before. You are able to push yourself to a point where you couldn't push yourself before because you've pushed yourself to that point of failure and gone beyond it. And that's what athletes do, boxers do, bodybuilders do. They push themselves to failure and then go beyond that point. So, I, I think that's really interesting. And I, I completely agree. I think it's a mindset um, issue where, you know, you give up in that moment. And as you said quite rightly, that's when it is a failure if you don't go back and you try again. Um, but I also feel that because people don't really talk about it as much, it gets so stigmatized and it, it never yeah. gets talked about. And um, and for that mindset shift to happen, I think people need to need to know that it's a normal well, thing. Social media is the, the biggest the biggest killer of that because 
how many people do you follow on social media where the Instagram models have got the perfect body? They always look great. They always look fresh off a catwalk. Life is not being fresh off a catwalk and, you know, fresh from a photo shoot. Life is just about looking normal. And there's, there's certain Instagram people do very well at stating exactly where they're at, exactly how they're feeling. I feel bloated. I feel fat. This is me right now. They do very well from being honest because social media is just smoke and mirrors. Like like half the rooms on Clubhouse, how to grow a six, seven, eight, nine-figure business. Well, no, you're not going to teach someone how to grow a nine-figure business in, in a three-day course for £2,000. It just doesn't happen. But people are drawn into this social media, this glamorized lifestyle where – if you just sat down and shared all of your insecurities, shared your vulnerability, shared all of your, of your failings, you will inspire more people and make a deeper connection by inspiring people through failure than you would saying, look at me, this is my life and isn't it fantastic? You might draw people in on that with the pictures of the Ferraris and the Lamborghinis, but then people won't have a connection with you. They'll just be drawn in because you show nice shiny things on your Instagram. That's what I believe anyway. No, I, I absolutely think that's true. It's people chasing the dream, people chasing the quick fame. Um, yeah. And the reality is that a lot of these people that have gotten to fame or, or are rich or have, you know, big million businesses, they have failed many, many times and they have made so many mistakes along the way in their life and gained experiences that they're now benefiting from. And it's not always clear how they got there. It's, you only see the result and you want the result and you want the result in the, in the quickest time possible. And you, you feel like you can skip, you know, those previous steps, but that's yeah. not really how it works. Um, at least from my personal experience. No, no, it's not. And yeah, yeah, absolutely right. And, you know, we'll, we'll take the most topical person right now, Donald Trump, Donald Trump's had businesses that's went bankrupt. He's went bankrupt. But yet he builds himself bigger and better every time and ends up becoming, you know, president of the United States. Good, bad, whether he's done a good job or bad job, I'm not American, I don't know. But um, he got to that point, you know, the biggest job in the US of A. And he's had bankruptcies, failures, things that didn't go well. But it's his resilience and his ability to come back and, and put things right that got him to there. And I think that's, you know, everybody's got a story. Everyone you get on this podcast will have a story and they'll have some level of something, whether it's failure in business, life, some life-changing event that's, that's made them go into a path where they've went down. Everybody has a story that's on earth that's there to be uncovered. And I think the more of us that share these stories, like me coming on your podcast, sharing the story, the more it will help inspire others to, to, to succeed. Absolutely. And obviously today we will talk about your story, which is incredible. And I actually don't know very much about, so I'm very excited to have this conversation with you and uncover a little bit more around it. Do you want to just explain a little bit more what your story is and what we'll be talking yeah. about today? So one of my biggest... Um, not my biggest failures, one of my biggest learning, we'll say a learning curve in life is, so back in 2014, I launched a business with a previous business partner. Um, we never started on the greatest footing. Um, he tried to, um, he went back on his word, if you like, from the start, but we we ended up on this journey anyway. And we grew a, we grew a business in education to quite a sizable business. I think we got close to £5 million in the end of where we were, things were going very well. We had close to 100 staff. 
And on the premise of it all, everyone thinks you've got everything because you've got the nice cars, you've got the nice holidays, the nice houses, but things just weren't right mentally for me. I wasn't in the right headspace. I was struggling with mental health issues. Um, and we ended up um, in a position where, with an education, if somebody reports you, you're guilty until you prove yourself innocent. So somebody had put a report in about we weren't doing something right. And because we're using government funds, they investigate. So what had happened over a period of three months is we stopped all revenue coming into the business. We weren't being paid by any government body. But yet we still had a £250,000 a month overhead going out. We still had massive financial commitments. Um, so I decided that I knew the business was going was going to struggle. So I took out secured loans um, to the value of hundreds of thousands of pounds to see us through this point. And I really probably knew then, even if we got through the investigation, we wouldn't get through the downturn in work. We couldn't put any new work through. So we were just cash flowing what we had and then we needed to then start again at the end of it. But I wanted to clear my name because I didn't want people to think, oh, he shut his business. There was an investigation. He's done something underhand. So stupidly, I took out personal guarantees. We got through the investigation and we came through it with flying colours. There was nothing to report, no, no underhand things. We got letters of commendation for the people we were working with, but we could never really recover from that. Financially, we took a three to four month hit of bringing no revenue into the business. And you then start to look back and go, what could we have done better? How could we have invest, invested in better quality systems, better compliance systems? So if this investigation happened again or, or happened in the future and future businesses, we have all of the information there readily available. It wouldn't have took three or four months. It could have been done sooner. Um, what could we have done to prevent this investigation? It was obviously a, a disgruntled employee leaving and trying to stick a dagger in. You know, how do we treat staff? How do we treat people if they leave? You know, all of these things start going through your mind. And then we closed the business in 2017 and we still had a couple of hundred thousand pounds worth of personal guarantees to pay off. And then that's why I was interested in your plan B podcast, because it's then right. Okay. My business is gone. There's 200 plus thousand pounds worth of debt here. I've got to clear. I don't have a business generating me X amounts of millions anymore. I've got to start again and start from scratch. I've got to build enough revenue to pay these loans off, or I'm going to go bankrupt. Bankruptcy wasn't an option because I think bankruptcy, and albeit we've just talked about failure, bankruptcy to me would have been the ultimate failure. And although the business had went in administration, I didn't class it as the ultimate failure. I classed as, right, okay, this this hasn't worked out right now, but this is not the end. This is just the beginning of my journey. I'm in early 30s. You know, I'm 35 now. I was you know, 31, 32, I thought I'm, I'm young enough to make a go of this. Um, so what I did was I analysed all of the best bits that I really enjoyed from that business, all of the bits that we did well, all the bits that we made money, all of the bits that made us the highest profit margins. And with a new business partner, we started again and went off on a journey. And we went off on a journey to plan to pay, pay all the loans off, which we did within the first 
eight months, all of the mon- money was paid back in terms of the loans that were taken off. So by the end of year one in the new business, we were at a we were at an even keel. All the money was paid off. Financially, I was in a, a an even position. Um, so I went from the most disastrous thing in my life, suffering mentally, you know, depression, because I associated my business doing well with how I was like it was almost I was the business. So if the business wasn't going well, I was thinking, shit, people will start talking about me. What will they think of me? Where really I shouldn't have given a shit how what they thought of me. Uh, it was about, you know, I needed to look after my family and my children and my wife, and I need to look after me, not everybody else. And there was some there was some good realizations came from that because I, I employed probably nearly a hundred people at the time. I made sure the good majority of them all went into other jobs. And I knew the good ones and, you know, the majority of people move into other jobs. But I could probably count on two hands how many people asked how I was. And I could probably count on one hand how many people still stay in, still stay in touch with me to this day. So that was a, a learning point of no matter how many people you employ, no matter how many people come across your path in business, there'll only ever be a handful of people that matter in your life. And yeah, family, friends, they, they'll always matter. But I'm talking about real businesses. Like people might have business associates, but they'll very rarely have business friendships. And of that 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 period in my life, I probably have a handful of people that that stayed around and still stay around and still how I ask, ask I am now. Where three years prior, I thought all these 100 people mattered. I thought these were all my friends, these were all my people, and I realized they're not. So it's like little things you learn along the way and you only learn these things when the going gets tough, when the failures come, when things, when the shit hits the fan, so they say. So it's like, these are the things that I've learned so much from in in business to take forward. So now every member of staff, I fully trust, but they'll only be um, there as a member of staff unless they show to me they are really wanting to be my friend. They're just a member of staff. They're just they're just allowing me to go on my entrepreneurial journey. They're helping the business achieve what the business has set out to achieve, and they're paid for doing that. Nothing more, nothing less. I know that might sound horrible, but it's but that's that's business. I think you said a very interesting thing at the beginning, which was um, your your business partner, and and I just want to dive a little bit deeper into that because you were saying, you know the relationship from the get-go was not quite right. Um, can you just expand a little bit more on that? Because I think it's it's an interesting yeah. one. There's a lot of small businesses. There's a lot of people right now, especially during the pandemic, so, who want to do their own thing. And I think getting the right business partner is probably one of the most crucial things to get right. Yeah. How do you pick the right business partner? Um, I don't know. My current business partner were like best friends. We get on well. I've heard horror stories of husband and wife splitting up because their businesses, they can't get on in business. Best friends and family members teared apart because of businesses. I don't know what the catalyst is where people get torn apart. But right now, everything seems to work very, very well with myself and Sean. We get on well. We're like best friends. We look, we've got each other's back no matter what. No matter what, we look after each other and our families and then everyone else is secondary. So it's like it seems to work. When me and Jeff started, we started on a handshake and we were 50-50. And I'm a very trusting person. If me and you were going into business, Sonia, I'd trust you 100%. Then it would be up to you 
how long you want to keep that trust. The minute you do something underhand or something that's not quite right, then you start chipping away at that trust and then eventually you then the, the trust is not there. So we shook hands on 50-50. He was the guy who was putting the money in. So he invested £30,000, which is a lot of money, but not a lot of money at the same time in business. To start a business three years later being nearly £5 million with £30,000 is a good investment. And so we shook hands 50-50 and I went home and we, we, we launched this business. I quit a good job, good company car, and a good bonus. And I I had a passion for entrepreneurship, starting a business. This is what I wanted to do. I felt at home. The day before we were due to start, he said, look, I can't go 50-50 with you. Um, I've spoke to my accountant and a friend. I'm putting all of the risk here of the £30,000. I'll give you 20% if we hit a certain target. And that target was um, 300k profit. And I thought, it's still a lot of money. And I thought, hang on a minute, I could do this. So if I hit 300K, I'll get 20%. You know, I'm still earning good money. I'm still getting a wage and, you know, being able to live off this business. Within four months in, I'd paid him his investment back. He'd had the full 30 grand back. Didn't require any more money. And then the end of the full first year, we made um, about £380,000 profit. I said, all right, I'm, you know, now it's 20%. He was like, well, look, I'm going to give you 40%. So I thought, oh, well, he's being a bit fair. I, I was doing all of the work here, all of the legwork, everything. He was a, he was um he did come in and he did do bits of work, but mainly his his he was at a different age to me. He was pushing 60 and retiring, and I was, you know, pushing early 30s and wanting a career. Um he said, and I said, all right. So I thought 40% of 380,000 pounds, you know. This is, I've come from nothing. We've come from nothing, me and my family. So this was going to really propel us to the next level of where we want it to be in life. And he said, but your 40% starts from the 1st of um, first of August, our accountancy year and 31st July. I'm, I'm going to keep all of the profits from this year. And I was just like, so there's another kick. So we were 50-50, then we're 100 and zero. Then we're going to go 80-20 and then we're going to go 60-40. But then 60-40 was after he took all of this money. So it's just like all of the things just kept chipping away at the trust. And stupidly, I stuck around. And and Why? Can I just ask why? Because, because I, I believe this was my – I was building a brand in education. People for the first time knew who I was. They knew Dave because I had a good business. And the business had some great um, clients. You know, we worked alongside NHSs. We worked alongside some really large businesses in the UK, established like, you know, household names we were working with. And because of that, then people knew who I was. And people talk about personal brand and business brand. You, you grow a good enough business, your personal brand will follow. People will always know who you are if your business is very good. And that's that's kind of where we were. And I thought... I'd never had this opportunity, and I think it was the desire to be successful. Sometimes, over I had an oversight on the trust issues in 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 what was going on, and I don't regret it because I'll never make that mistake again. Um, and again, learn from your mistakes is I don't regret that because I wouldn't be where I was today without the experience that was within that business. And all of them things made me the the man, the business owner, husband, father that I am today. So 
everything I am today is is and that was a part of my life really that was a that's a learning curve and a and a part of my life where I, I can I can say did it all work out no was it all bad of course it wasn't we won Northeast Business Awards best newcomer best business you know we had 40 staff all celebrating an award ceremony with a you know two three hundred people we won the award we went to the regional finals came third so it was like there were some good points and I knew we had a good business and I knew we had some good people it just it wasn't meant to be that wasn't meant to be the end it just wasn't it was just a journey where I was able to go on to to where I am today and am I where I'm at today is this the end course it's not it's just part of your journey isn't it and I think that's really interesting because personal pride has been definitely um, a topic that has come up, like how how you want to be perceived by others um, seems to be uh, I, an I interesting motivation. I always wanted to be liked. That's the trouble. You always want to be liked wherever you go. And I think this is a human trait. And I was probably always too nice. That there's taught me it's nice to be nice. And there's, you always got to be nice to people, but you've always got to look after yourself as well. And people are not your friends; they're your associates, they're uh, um, people who you know in business. And I think it makes you reflect. Like 2020 was a tough year for everyone, and the pandemic. And but 2020, um, I lost both parents in 2020. So me, me mother passed away in July. Me father passed away Christmas Day, um, and it's made me evaluate. Like they they passed away so young so soon you know my mother had a short battle with cancer my me, me dad had a heart attack in the bloody cemetery visiting me man's grave on Christmas day with me and my brother so it's like what are you doing it all for if I went three years ago I was doing it all for me and it was all my selfish journey I wanted to be this successful entrepreneur the next Alan Sugar you know as everyone wants to be um you know, everyone wants to be the next best thing in business. And then it reevaluates of what do you just need in your life. You need to support your family to live a life that you're happy with. Money doesn't buy your happiness. Don't don't get me wrong. I've had times where I've had no money. And when you've got no money, it's even harder than when you do have money. However, money doesn't buy your happiness. It just allows you to do little things that maybe make you happy. And so now I evaluate things on I want us as a family to do things that make us happy as a family. And that's maybe not spending money. And the lockdowns taught us that from March to July last year, we spent time as a family. We walked. We did walks along the beach in our local coastline and loved it. We seen dolphins off the coast of the northeast of bloody Sunderland jumping in the sea. Never seen them in my life before. And dolphins came to the northeast coast of Sunderland. And it's like, would they have come if there wasn't a pandemic and the waters weren't cleaner? Who knows? But these things have all been with very little money, you know, that didn't cost us anything. And I think it brought us closer together as a family, which, you know, again, the pandemic, if you want to look at the bad points of the pandemic, all you will find is bad. You've got to now start to take and learn and what the good side of things are. My business failed. I left with hundreds of thousands of pounds worth of debt. Bad thing. But the good thing is, is it made me where I am today and I was able to work through that. And I'm quite fortunate. Not everyone who has a business who fails catastrophically will end up like me or come out of it the way I did. Um, so I know I'm fortunate in that and you've just got to take gratitude, I suppose, from that. 
Absolutely. Um, and my condolences on your on your parents. But I think you're absolutely right it, that there have been positives out of the pandemic, if, if you can even say that uh, nowadays. The, the other thing that I wanted to touch on was um, I think you had a very interesting mindset shift in where you you looked at all the things that went well in your old business and you applied them to your new business. Can can you talk me a little bit through that process and how you, because I'm sure after your old business failed, you must have been devastated. Like you must have been in a very bad state, you know, especially with all that debt. So how did you get yourself to switch in that mindset and be like, okay, I'm now going to just do the analytics. I'm going to dive into this as deeply as I can. I think it's the the business owner's mindset because – as a business owner, you're not for, you don't go on holiday and have a holiday. You might be away on holiday, but you're not. You're checking emails. You're checking in with people. You're messaging people. You're on LinkedIn. You, you know, whatever you're doing, you're never off, and that then gets ingrained. So when that happened and that was ending, there's no option of going right. I'm just going to go on the sick and just sit at home. Well, what's that going to achieve? Who's going to pay me? Who's going to pay me bills? You've got to then just get off your ass and do something. So it was a, it was the motivation of I've always worked since I was 13 year old and having a paper around and then working with my next door neighbour, working with my dad. I've always worked. So my mum and dad has ingrained a work ethic in me and my brother. We will never ever sit at home and not work. So that was never an option. And then it was like analysing when you grow a large business, you find yourself doing things you don't enjoy. But you do things because the business, we used to call it a beast, and you have to just keep feeding the beast. You might not have reins and control of this beast, but you've just got to keep feeding it because it's going to take you wherever you, wherever it'll take you. You have no, we had no control over where that was going. Um, and when we had chance to stop when the business went in administration, because it had stopped, you're no longer having to feed the beast. You're having to switch your mindset to go, right, okay, one, we've got to survive. We've got to pay the bills. Two, I've got a shitload of debt here that needs paying off and it isn't going to go away anytime soon. Three, let's look back at, it wasn't all bad. What did we enjoy? And let's, going back to success leaves clues, what I said at the start, success does leave clues. When we were making the most money and the most successful and we enjoyed it the most, we were small. We were a team no more than 15 people. We were doing training courses that were profitable enjoyable to deliver and the whole sense of the business was much more enjoyable right so we captured that moment right from that what can we do right well we've got some contacts here right let's explore these and then before you know it your business is starting to gain some momentum you're starting to talk to people oh dave's back on the wagon straight away dave's doing this you know you start the look doesn't come to people opportunities don't come to people when they're not looking and we were always looking for opportunities and never even it was almost like the business closed and the new business started the next day it wasn't and we didn't have that formed in that manner it was just a case of that business was closing and Monday we didn't have that business but we had to do something and that's what we did so we 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 went off on a journey and spoke to people our old clients um, new clients um, and you know you change your LinkedIn and that, that generates some interest and then people start going oh what are you doing you talk to people oh well I know such and such is looking for something and then you start then building building again and 
then when you think, oh, we've got some momentum here, let's put a plan in place. And then off we were into the into the new business. But every time we hit a T junction where we can go left or right, and we go, we look down the left hand road and we go, that's going to cause problems. That that's going to be all of the things we didn't enjoy about the previous business. Or we look to the right and go, it's still going to be dangerous. But there's more things we will enjoy because there's less things down there that we don't want to face again. So we go right, and then you come to another T junction, and you look at, and you go, hang on a minute. And it's it's quite easy what you do. You find yourself gravitating back to the things you did before, because then the growth comes back, the hunger goes back. Right, we want to go from. 500k to a million, a million to 2 million, a million, 2 million to 3 million. We're going to invest money in here. And before you know it, you're then creating a beast again. And we didn't want to do that. So we've always said, you know, we've got a, a number of good businesses now. We've got a recruitment business, which is about 3 million, small office, small team of staff, family orientated, nice people, an MD running it, who's a business partner and a shareholder as well. Nice guy similar values and beliefs and good solid business then we've got another business down uh, further down in the northeast similar small business nice team good growth we'll never go to that that place of 100 staff again and we'll always shy away from it and we said if if a business we're involved in ever gets to that point as shareholders me and my business partner will look to sell because that's not what we're about so is that um is that also if you if you had to give uh, a piece of advice to the listeners of the podcast you know if there was sort of one nugget of wisdom that you wanted on to pass on what would it be would it be to stay small to just focus on things that you're really passionate in the middle of a pandemic small and agile is better than big and bold because look at the big businesses that are struggling right now They're on their knees because they've got huge overheads and huge, huge costs and huge staff and huge problems. And don't get me wrong, small businesses do as well. But you can, small businesses, you can change direction quickly. You can be agile. You can you can move in into little corners where big businesses can't get. So there is there is um, there is um, benefits of being small. Being small, you're never going to sell for billions and billions of pounds so you're never going to achieve that so if that's your goal then you know you're never going to or very rarely you're going to achieve that but when you go from 15 to 20 to 25 staff the family love and ethos you create at the start changes to a more corporate lifestyle and sometimes the first 15 20 staff can't cope with that change and that's a big transition in a business Sometimes you can't cope with that change because you can't no longer just make a split decision anymore. You've got policies, procedures, you've got channels to go through. Um, my preference is always small and humble rather than big and bold. And it just depends. If you want to go big and bold, just evaluate the reasons why and evaluate what you want from a business. Me and my business partner now like a lifestyle businesses. We like businesses we can go into, we can have good fun, we can enjoy the, the road. We know we'll never be billionaires and Richard Branson, but we know we also don't need that in our lives. It's just about living a good life and a nice lifestyle. And small and humble is better than big and bold. And just because of my journey and the learnings from that, but 
you just need to ask yourself why. Why do we want to go this big? And what will I? What will you get there when you get there? You know, what does a person of a fifty million pound business feel when he gets there? Does he feel any happier? Probably not. There's bigger headaches, and this is something I heard from um, in one of the clubhouse rooms, which I, I totally resonated. The higher the level, the different the devil, and the, or the bigger the devil, and that's exactly right. The next level you go to, there's another devil waiting for you. He's bigger than the last one, and you've got to overcome him. And then you go to the next level, and you think, shit, there's a bigger devil here, and he's he's harder than the last one. And every level, it just gets harder, bigger, and you more testing. And sometimes it's it's okay to just sit at a certain level and go, I'm happy with that. That's that's really great. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for sharing that. That was fascinating. Um, we'll be wrapping up, but I did want to make sure that we plug your podcast because I know you have a fantastic podcast that people should listen yeah. to. So if you want to hear more about Dave and, and you know, when he speaks with his guests, where can they find you? Yeah, so I'm on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, Stitcher, all of the podcast platforms. Um, just search Dave Macmillan or In the Deep with Dave. I've had some great guests. I've had football club owners. I've had business people, celebrities, boxers, sportsmen, all different kinds sharing. And everyone's got a story. And just like, you know, your podcast as well, Sonia, all of your guests has a story. All of your guests will have adversity. And it's, I think sometimes it's nice just hearing maybe somebody else who's going through the similar story to you, someone else who's had a similar problem. Sometimes it helps, but sometimes it's just nice that you're not alone on this journey and everyone's having something similar going on. So, yeah, check it out if you want to, YouTube uh, or, or Apple or, or Spotify. Awesome. Perfect. Thank you so much for your time today, Dave. And yeah, it was a brilliant. pleasure to have you on. Thank you. Thanks for having me.